Hey everybody, Joel Johnson here. Welcome to another Rainmaker Revolution podcast. I'm really excited about this one. This one has my friend Dean Jackson on it. Dean is one of the best marketers, I think, in the world. He's worked with everybody from uh, Joe Polish to Tony Robbins to J.J. Virgin to Ariana Huffington, all just all kinds of people that, um, you know, sometimes he's working behind the scenes, so you don't know. And I met him as strategic coach with my coach, Dan Sullivan, and he's really helped me. He has a special cro- program called Breakthrough Blueprint, Dean Jackson Breakthrough Blueprint. You want to Google that? It's a three-day uh, intense session where you're with Dean, just 12 people around a table in uh, Florida discussing marketing ideas and so on. So check that out and enjoy this podcast. Listen to when he corrects me when I'm wrong on a couple things um, regarding marketing. Uh, you got to listen carefully for it. Um, but uh, if you listen carefully, you'll pick up on it. But this is great wisdom. It's about the before, during, and after units of our business. How to think of your business as three different segments, before, during, and after. It's great stuff. Hi, this is Joel Johnson, and I have a very special guest with me today, and we're going to be interviewing him and go real in-depth on this book, Breakthrough DNA, The Eight Profit Activators, and go specifically into detail on how these eight profit activators pertain to the financial services business. As a financial advisor, it's so important that you look at your business as a direct response marketing business, because in a sense, we're holding ourselves out there. And instead of being pushy salespeople, we want to attract people that are ready to inquire and have a conversation with us, and that makes us direct response marketers. And these eight profit activators and the understanding of these eight profit activators and how they fit into our business and breaking our business down to the different segments, and Dean will talk about that. So I want to introduce my good friend, uh, Dean Jackson. He is a uh, very, very esteemed marketer, uh, does groups worldwide in all kinds of different businesses, has helped me tremendously in my business, uh, teaching some of the concepts that he's taught. And we're going to go deep with Dean. And uh, Dean, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe more than we already know by reading your book. <laughs> well, I'm excited to share and to have this conversation because you know, one of my great joys about the eight profit activators is applying them to specific businesses. And as you mentioned, I get to go all over the world and, and share uh, in, in groups, small groups, applying these, uh, these eight profit activators. And the, the reason that I call it Breakthrough DNA is because I, I look at these eight profit activators as little DNA cells. They're universally present in every business, but they manifest differently in a, a chiropractic practice or a real estate business and as a, in a financial advisory capacity. So I, I'm excited to spend some time and kind of just talk specifically about how this applies to financial advisors. And I have to say, Dean, the first time I saw your book, uh, the Eight Profit Activators book, I'm going to call it that, even though it's called Breakthrough DNA. At, sure, at, yeah, first, yeah. at first glance, when I looked at it, I said, this is way too simple. Things can't be this simple. And I think that's the deception there, that it's easy for uh, financial advisors, which you know we think of ourselves as pretty smart guys, 
um, I, I think we can fall into a deception there of thinking things have to be real complicated. But when you go deep into each of these profit activators, I think it, it really is the magic in how to create a freedom in our business where we are no longer slaves to this business, but we can, we can build a business where we have a constant pipeline of interested prospects that are willing to come into our system and end up on the other side as clients. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, you, you, one of the things, the, the first things that we do is break your business down into three distinct units. So there's eight profit activators, but we, they basically fit into one of these three units. And we look at your before unit as the unit of your business that does all the things that you do to find people who want and need financial advice. And I love that we're talking specifically about financial advisors because generally when I talk about them, I have to, to talk about them in general, but now we get to talk about it specifically. So that would make up the before unit, all the marketing, all of the things that you do to, to find your ideal prospect. That's the before unit. Then the during unit is all of the things that you do from the moment somebody um, accepts your invitation to, to come and meet with you um, to, to, for an advisory session till becoming a client and your whole process of setting up their financial plan, of, of setting the plan in action, that's all in the during unit, exactly how you work with people and the experience that you create in, uh, when they're going through that process. And then the after unit is all about nurturing lifetime relationships with the people who you are uh, the incumbent advisor to and orchestrating referrals with all the people who know you, like you, and trust you. So those things fit exactly within that um, in the financial advisor capacity. Yeah, in, in our business up here in Connecticut, Dean, we think of the before unit as everything, and, and you said this already, but everything that happens before the advisor is one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two, mm -hmm. if there's a married couple, with a client. Right. And so everything, you know, what we do primarily here and what most financial advisors around the country that are good marketers do to, to drive that before unit, everything that feeds that one-on-one -on -one appointment uh, it would be seminars. So we do a direct mail piece that invites people to public seminars, and that, of course, creates a nice before pipeline. And then people can raise mm -hmm. their hand during the seminar or technically fill out a little response sheet and ask for an appointment. We do radio where there's a direct call to action where people can phone a uh, 800 service and ask for an appointment. And I also do a TV program where we get people in our pipeline. They don't directly ask for an appointment on the TV program, but they'll ask for a free offer like a book giveaway or a special report. And then they become part of a pipeline. But there's all kinds of things feeding um, that before unit. And what I find is many financial advisors around the country, they don't have enough going on in their before unit. So the universal problem with financial advisors is not enough appointments. And what many financial advisors make the mistake of doing is focusing on those appointments and trying to close everybody. And it becomes a very right. uncomfortable type of a business when really if they spend a little more time on the before unit on feeding the potential prospects and just not worrying about closing everybody but creating a big enough pipeline, there's always enough appointments happening one-on-one. -on -one. So it's that before unit that in our business we've really paid a lot of attention to. Yeah. And, you know, that makes so much sense. A lot of times 
the the thing that happens is that people look at that before unit as something to do when they're not busy in their during unit, or they look at it as kind of uh, just in a support role to that. And the reason that I make the distinction of setting them up as independent units is truly to get to that kind of mindset where you really are running them independent of your of your during unit. That if you have somebody whose whole responsibility is to uh, keep that before unit going and constantly keep people um, coming in for new consultations and allow the during unit team to just focus on creating that dream come true experience for people without having to have one foot in that world of, of serving the people and creating that experience. And then at the same time, maybe at the end of the day, managing the lead generation campaign or trying to, you know, make calls to invite people to the seminar. If you have, um, if you imagine it as a separate unit, that's whole responsibility is to just deliver people to the during unit. That's a really great place to come from. So what you're saying, Dean, essentially is create a business, a separate business that is the before unit, and the sole job of that business is to deliver that one-on-one appointment where the person is sitting yeah, in front no. of a financial advisor. Absolutely, and and to understand what the capacity is. Like if you're in a business like a financial advisory, there's only so many people that you can meet with on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. So to know what those numbers are, to, to know what your um, ideal capacity is for taking in new clients, and, and once you understand that, it's really about then deciding – with this capacity that I have, who are the best, most ideal clients that I would want to, to meet with? And then setting up your before unit as a way to fill your available appointment times, your available new client um, acquisition times with those ideal clients first. You know, so because first profit activator number one is select a single target market. And I say that select a single target market at a time, you know, at one time. If you've got, um, you know, a limited number of, of um, appointment times, you may as well focus on filling those times with your very best clients rather than trying to appeal to everybody. And some of them are, are less than ideal. Um, you know, that when you can equally focus on people who are your ideal clients. One of the exercises that I have people do is to imagine that there's a special fax number that you could write a letter and fax in your order form to the Acme Prospect Vending Company, where you could say, uh, dear Acme Prospect Vending Company, please send me whatever the number is, please send me 50 new clients with a $10 million uh, net worth, and I'd like them to come two a week for the next one year, or one a week for the next one year, whatever you, whatever you can imagine. That's kind of the, the opportunity that you have in your, um, 
in your before unit. And until you get that kind of clarity as to what your actual goal is, you don't know what the best strategies are to, to reach that goal. And, and in the financial services business, because of where everyone starts, which is, you know, we all start just trying to survive and we try to sell everybody, it's very hard for many advisors to make that switch over saying, this is who I'm going to serve and defining it in a very tight way. But I'll tell you, mm-hmm. certainly in our business, you know, we've grown, we've tripled our business in the last five years, and it's clearly by defining who we serve. I know exactly who we serve. I can recite it. It's 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 a person between age 55 and 75 that's either retired or very close to retirement that has between 500,000 and 2 million dollars of investable assets that earned their own money that did not inherit money. They earned their own money and they care about paying for value. That's exactly who we're looking for. And then all our marketing efforts and all our messaging and, and our free reports and everything can be geared towards that person. And there becomes a self-selection process. And then what happens is if you're really good at that before unit, as I've learned, then what, what happens is you'll have some extra people being delivered to your during unit, to that one-on-one appointment, that maybe aren't your ideal prospects, but you could bring on a junior person, a junior financial advisor, somebody that's in training, an apprentice, a mentor um, that you're bringing in underneath you to immediately hand off those not ideal prospects to, but you can sort of have this sub-business going on, and the profits from that business can feed more of the before unit. So this becomes a very powerful uh, um, tool to use, but the key here is thinking about it the way, Dean, you've written about it in the book, which is really focusing on that one target market at a time. And and the messaging, Mm -hmm. making sure your messaging is clear and being able to say no when somebody's not the right fit, having the confidence of saying, if I say no to this person because they're not the right fit, it's okay because my before unit is working so well that I'm going to have a good group of prospects coming in tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that, that you mentioned is when you know, and I love how crystal clear you are on who your target audience is. And so you know what that person is, and then you know where's the place that you could likely find them. I mean, you know, where when you start to think about um, who your target audience is, the, the next thing you need to uh, figure out is how can I reach them? Or where are they? You know, and, and so what kind of things would you use as a way of reaching those people? Well, the most consistent way that we've used is through seminars. We send out a direct mail piece because the mailing companies can can target with about a 92% accuracy, so which is very, very strong. So with a 92% accuracy, I can send out an invitation to invite people to a seminar, and I can give the mailing companies those exact numbers. I can say I want people age 55 to 75 in a certain zip code that own houses and that have a certain amount of investable assets, and we go a little lower than our target because we find that there's a little error there, a little bit of error there in investable assets. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the languaging on the invitation uh, also begins to exclude certain people. So we'll say things like how to choose the right financial advisor to hire. Well, I'm going to immediately exclude people that want everything for free. 
if I say higher, mm-hmm. where I'm not going to exclude people that care about value because somebody that cares about value that's willing to pay a little bit more because they want value and they want somebody to be on their side and giving them advice and so on, it's not going to exclude them. So um, though that's right. really how we've done it, this seminar business. Now, the radio marketing that we do, uh, it's all done through language because, of course, with radio, you don't know who's listening. You can kind of guess by, first of all, young people don't listen to AM talk radio. And and you can kind of know by you know by when you're on the radio you know I'm not going to be on at Friday night at eleven I'm going to be on on Saturday or Sunday morning at you know between eight and ten those are the ideal times for people getting close to retirement uh, so you can sort of select but again it's all about the languaging and the offer and the way we're positioning the offer you know coming and the language that you use which we'll get into maybe a little bit later but things like naming your process we call our process the money map retirement review where you can come in and get your money map which is your personalized financial plan to set up mm-hmm. your ideal retirement and financial future so uh you get you can get real deep on this um but the key is narrowing that target market and and targeting not just by sending your message out to that target but also the language that you use and i guess that kind of gets into right. profit activator number 2 which is you know making yeah. good offers compelling uh-huh. Com- and so one of the big distinctions that i've discovered is the difference between compelling and convincing and that's what i draw that's where i draw that line between profit activator 2 and profit activator 3 so profit activator 2 is about compelling your prospects to call you to identify themselves because when you're mailing, you know, you don't know which prospects are the ones who are willing to engage in the dialogue. Certainly when you're on the radio or on TV, you don't know who's out there. They're invisible prospects. And the goal is to turn those uh, those invisible prospects into visible prospects, somebody that you has a name and a way that you can get in contact with them, whether it's a mailing address or a email address or a telephone number. And so one of the things that I've seen that creates a big breakthrough for people is easing up on the convincing in the advertising. See, a lot of times what people do is they'll they'll pick uh, a mailing list, they'll they'll mail to people, and then they're trying to use the direct mail piece as, to convince people to do business with them or to convince them to to um, hire you or to do something. And I noticed you know you mentioned um, that that's part of the um, languaging that you use, and you use it as a as a filter. And what I might encourage you to, to look at is to think when you're mailing to a list like that and the offer is a seminar, and I use seminars are phenomenal. It's a great way to, um, in an efficient way, get a group of people together and educate and motivate them. That's what Profit Activator 3 is about. So I like to use seminars as a conversion tool more than a lead generation tool. And here's why. Because let's say you're mailing to 10,000 people. You're mailing a a message to them, and the offer is um, what would be one of the the messages? Like what's the message of the seminar that you um, would use to invite people uh, to attend? Well, the, the headline is what you need to know about your IRA. And then it'll have some copy that says learn, you know, learn 
the common mistakes that retirees make when when they're okay. when they're managing their IRAs. It'll say, you know, okay. how yes, so on. So it's what you need to know about your IRA. Okay, so the IRA is the is the um, the vehicle, or that's the the commonality. That's what you're looking for. You want to call out to people who um, live in a certain zip code, who have a certain income, who have a certain amount of of net worth. So you're you selected ten thousand of those. That's that's a great um, universe to to pull from. Now what you're doing is in the when communicating with them and inviting them to a seminar. What you're getting at the seminar are you're getting people who not only want the information who are interested in their IRA and who are interested in hearing about these strategies, but they have to not only be interested in it, they have to be available on Tuesday night and they have to be uh, willing to, to come to a seminar as the first step. So there's pretty good filters, I call that, on that list, right? And so what I've seen as the, the greatest um, um, multiplier for this is to take out the, the filters, and you may want to do a split test with this, you know, try, try 5,000 one way, 5,000 the other way. But if you were to offer something like a book, like a, a small book, it doesn't have to be a big, uh, you know, a, a full-on book like this, the the A Profit Activator book that we have is a small conversation starting book. So if you were to offer something like a, um, like a book and just use amplifiers, not, not filters in it so far, you would get more people who are, who want the information. Now you've, you've narrowed down that 10,000 to people who now would like this information. When you do a, a, a seminar, you're getting, um, you know, only the people who, who are interested in it and are available and are willing to take that first step of, of coming to a seminar, but you don't know the other people, you know, it, the other, you don't know who among those 10,000 really are interested in that, but they're just not available on Tuesday night. Or they're, they would be interested, but they're just not, they, they've heard a lot about these seminars maybe, and they don't want to come and, and be uh, pressured into anything or, you know, not that you do, you pressure people into anything, but that may be a, uh, uh, a, a filter that people have when they think about these um, financial, you know, seminars like this. So, so you're saying by, create, a, create a separate group almost that's willing yeah. to say, I want the book, and then you get them into your pipeline by them just asking for the book. Not that it has to be a full book. Yeah. It can be a, a, a simple book, like a 50-pager like yeah. I do. And, right. and then that's you've exactly got this right. separate group of people that maybe aren't ready to go to a seminar because they're scared, they're unavailable, they've got too much going on in their lives, but you're creating a new pipeline uh, to right. put, put to someday in the future deliver people into the during. Yes, but now what you have is you've got a pool of people in Profit Activator 3 that now you've got, especially if you send them to a website or they uh, are getting something online, now you've got a way to email them 
for no additional cost. You know, it's like the only, what happens is that, you know, when you, you mail to 10,000 and maybe let's say if you mailed 10,000, how many would you expect to come to uh, a seminar like that? Would you get 50 people to come to a seminar out of? We get, we get between 100 and 120 in our market. Out of 10,000 people. Out of 10,000, correct. Yeah. Okay, That's perfect. Correct. So wouldn't it be valuable if you could get 250 or 500 of them out of the 10,000 who self-identify themselves as people who are interested in that information? That's a valuable asset that you're building. And so the people who are willing to come to the seminar are a subset of the people who would love the information if it was available in a book. Do you understand what I mean? That you've got, there's maybe four, yeah, there's maybe 300 or 400 people out of the 10,000 who would love the information. And within those three or 400 are the 100 or 120 who would come to the seminar. And now you not only get a chance to invite them to this month's seminar, but next month's and the next month's, and you can continue to educate them with a podcast or a newsletter or your commentary, your case studies, all kinds of things that are designed to educate people, to motivate people, to convince them. If, we, if I use the, the key words, you know, the key word of Profit Activator, too, is compel. Just get people to raise their hand, winnow down the field to interested prospects who are willing to engage in the dialogue because they've physically done something to ask for this information. They've taken a proactive step towards you. The key word for Profit Activator 3 is convince. This is where now you've got your opportunity to understand the conversation that's going on in their head. What are the things that they're thinking about? What are the misconceptions that they have? What are the big questions that they have? What do they need to know? What would they need to be convinced of to, and this is the key word for your during unit, to collaborate with you? So it's that progression from compel, convince, collaborate. When you're making an offer to people, it's almost like the, the best things that they can come into a meeting with you, it's talking about collaborating with you to build their financial plan. And that's really what the seminar does for you is that it convinces them. You know, the pe- you get 100 or 120 people to come to the, the seminar and you've had an experience with them. They've gotten to touch you, feel you, be in your presence, to hear the message, to be around other people, to convince themselves that you're somebody that they would like to collaborate with. And then when you introduce them to the opportunity to come and sit down with you, they are already pre-sold 80% of the way. That's correct. That's correct because they've heard, especially at our seminar, the way we do it at our firm is we're very uh, open and vulnerable and um, we share, you know, who we are, our values. Um, we talk about clients that we've helped, so we tell a lot, a lot of stories uh, and so on. So once we get them to that seminar, um, boy, it's it's not hard to get. Uh, last night I had uh, I had uh, I had a seminar. I had 14 households and 12 asked for appointments. 
12 scheduled Perfect. appointments right then and there. So uh, the effectiveness of getting people at the seminar is very, very powerful. Um, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested. I'm interested. I have a question about this this alternative offer of people that maybe are scared to come to a seminar because they think they're going to get sold, or maybe they just can't get there because of uh, uh, convenience. Do you offer them then either or? Do you offer them either this booklet, this informational booklet, or going to the seminar? Do you put that offer on the same invitation, or does that create? The people no, that would have I, come to the seminar are now going to say, well, I don't want to go to the seminar. I'm just going to get the book. Well, and so what you want to do, one of the things that you want to look at is when people ask for the book, now you are engaging in a dialogue with them. So you've got an opportunity to now communicate with them because they've asked for the book. You can send an email, and what you're looking for are the the five-star prospects. And, you know, I define five-star prospects as people who are willing to engage in a dialogue. They're friendly and cooperative when you talk with them. They know what they want. And just as important that they know what they want, it may be that you need to help them understand what it is that they want so that you understand uh, what it is they want. They know when they want it, meaning they're they're ready and, and motivated to take action. And number five, they'd like us to help them. So we're looking in this progression here to only communicate in a way that helps us decide and discover whether they meet our next criteria here, right? So when somebody asks for a book, they've raised their hand. That's the first star. They're willing to engage in the dialogue. Now, when you send out an email to them and you are trying to ask a question or, or um, sending something that's trying to start a, uh, a conversation with them, they're friendly and cooperative, and they'll respond with you. And then it may be that, you know, the offer that you make is to let them know that you are having a seminar um, and that they're, they're you know, um, able to attend the seminar. And that's, I think the conception is that while some of the people, um, they may just use that as a way of of not having to come to the seminar, but generally the people who are willing to come to a seminar, it's because they really want the information. It's because they really are interested in it. And if you can make that just as as compelling, um, then they're still going to come to the seminar. But you also have this opportunity to nurture this relationship with people over the next several weeks, several months, the rest of the year of people who have identified themselves as someone who's interested in IRA information. And then, of course, we set up an automated process to to do right. that so we don't have to hire all kinds of staff, whether that's a sequential mm. email or or so yeah. on. That's That's great. That's great. Can we talk a little bit about this during unit, Dean? So now that we yeah. have people face to face with us in our office, and they've they've come through the process of being compelled, and then they think that you know they think that we're the right people for them to trust, getting financial advice from. So they've arrived at our office for this appointment, and mm-hmm. you break that down into into three different pieces during the during unit. It's present your service in a way that makes it easy to get started, and and that's the first piece, and and let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. So, you know, when you look at, and and so the key word for that is is collaborate. You know, when you're looking at 
you're going to uh, take a consultative approach to this conversation with people. You're going to help them look at things maybe differently than they're looking at it now. You're going to give them some specific information related to their situation and show them a way that you could easily get started um, working together. And as soon as they say yes, now you're, you get an opportunity to go to work and to, to set up their, their plan to, um, you know, get all the information together, to get everything, everything going, and ultimately use that as the springboard to a lifetime relationship with them. And that, that's one of the, the best things about you know, the whole financial advisor relationship is that people are not that um, quick to change that relationship, you know, especially if they're um, feeling like they're getting value and, and, you know, feels like what you're saying with $500,000, maybe kind of like the entry level where people feel like, well, that's enough money that I really probably should get some, some advice with this. And so bringing them in on that, uh, at that level and then carrying that relationship on is really a brilliant, a brilliant strategy. And I think the thing that gets missed by many advisors out there is this, this step of, you know, profit activator number four, make it easy for them to get started. Mm-hmm. Many financial advisors say, okay, you have a million dollars, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, and we need at least half of it to get started. Well, I had a lady in my office just today, this very day that we're, that we're writing this, and she uh, only could give me $30,000 to invest about a year and a half ago, but she had a million dollars locked up in her retirement plan at work. So I made her a client with only the 30000 because once she becomes mm-hmm. a client and I make it easier for her to become a client, now she has the experience of being treated by our staff like family. And, of course, she comes in today, a year and a half later, and says, Joel, I'm going to retire in two months, and let's begin the process of investing that uh, that extra million dollars that I couldn't give you before. So we want to make it yeah, easy beautiful. for people to become a client. And that's so important in our business because there's so many advisors that say, well, this is my minimum, and they're real hard and fast about that minimum. But I think mm-hmm. in my experience – it's okay to have sort of a, a moving line on that minimum. I care more about the people being good quality people and appreciating our advice and us liking them and them liking us, sort of the touchy-feely parts of the relationship. And if we feel good, like there's a good fit, then we'll take a small account just to make them a client because everything changes once they become a client. Right. And that's taking the long view, right? I mean, that's, and that's what's going to happen in, in your Profit Activator 3, by the way, is that a lot of those people who ask for that book, they may not be ideal clients um, right now, or they may not be ready or in a position to, to move the money that they do have. But when they're in your universe and you're just taking it upon yourself to continue to add value to them and educate and motivate, you're going to get a lot of those calls that people say, hey, I've been you know, you've been, I've been getting your newsletter, I've been listening to your podcast, or I've been getting your emails, and they want to now come to a seminar, or they want to come in and, and meet with you. So that that's kind of a, a really, um, you know, phenomenal thing that happens when you take that long view. 
sure. And now talk a little bit, Dean, about Profit Activator number five, because you have our during unit, which I would call our sales process, mm-hmm. from the time somebody comes in mm-hmm. for that first appointment, and usually it's mm-hmm. two or three meetings before they turn money over to us. And then there's mm-hmm. a process where we're moving the money from another firm and then there's another meeting. Once everything gets invested properly, we like to review with the client what happened. So there's this whole during unit, and I think a lot of advisors think that that sale is a, is this one date in time event. You know, it's at 10 o'clock no. on a Monday that they became a client. I think it's important, as you spell out in the book, to see this whole during unit as maybe the first 30 right. or 60 days of a relationship. That's exactly right, because just like you said – there's things that when you start, when somebody, you have an initial meeting with somebody and they say, that sounds great. I'd love to collaborate with you. Now you're going to go to work. Now you're going to go and, and set up the plan. You're going to uh, transfer the money. You're going to get everything all established and you're going to maybe have some, some initial follow up um, meetings with people. And that's your, your Profit Activator 5 and Profit Activator 6. And, you know, uh, part of the thing that we have to, to look at is not only reaching the core objective, which is to, um, you know, get the plan set up, get the money transferred, get everything kind of um, in place. And, you know, once everything is, is running and they're now set up for their um, review meetings. How often do you meet with with clients that you have um, under management? Most of them get a, a face-to-face meeting every year. Some get um, mm-hmm. every six months, but it's 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 every year. Everybody is calendared in our system right. with our service staff to get a call every year to so, come in for their annual review. Right. So at some point, that there's a point where. You've, you've done those kind of initial things, like the, the three steps that you talked about. And everybody would agree, okay, now we're basically done. They're in orbit, and now we're going to set up for our annual review. That's when people would consider that the service, you know, the initial service delivery period is over. But what could you do sort of in intermediate between when the the plan is in place and everything is set up to kind of now do something that's unexpected, maybe check in with them at 30 days or 60 days or 30 and 60 days to just kind of, of um, go above and beyond what they've, uh, you know, what they were expecting in the initial um, setup of that. And one of the benefits of it and the goals, kind of what I look for, are what would be a strategic objective that you could reach. And so there's a difference between the core objective and a strategic objective. And the easiest thing I can use to describe that is because it's something that everybody's familiar with is a, a restaurant experience. You know, if we look at the during unit of a rest, restaurant experience, it would start when you make a reservation, so you've made a reservation for Saturday night, and that, you know, everything from there till you arrive on Saturday, you go into the restaurant, you get seated, you, uh, they take your order, they bring your meal, you maybe have dessert, you pay the check, and you leave. That's all the, the during unit, you know, the core during unit experience. And that's what most restaurants 
would focus on, right, is, is having uh, that people have a, a, a great time, the food is good, everybody's happy, and they leave um, and have a good memory of having had uh, a meal there. But if you take a strategic approach to it and you start to look at that timeline, because that's really what it is, from you know the, the time that somebody makes that reservation to the time that they leave the restaurant, um, you want to kind of look at all the, the benchmarks that go into that and start to see what could we do that could add value or remove friction in any of these um, experiences here. So a strategic objective for a restaurant might be that they get contact information from the people who they've had um, come into the restaurant. And so most restaurants don't do anything like this. But if that was a strategic objective, let's say you have a 1,000 people come through your restaurant in any given week, if you just took a little bit of thinking time and thought, okay, what could we do to get more contact information from people? And you decided that in that timeline, in the time between when their order gets sent to the kitchen and their food is arriving, what if they came back to people, refreshed their water, said, I put in your order, your food will be right out. If you'd like to join our birthday program, we can celebrate your birthday tonight with some cake, and you get a $20 gift card on your birthday and handed a little birthday card club, uh, birthday club card to uh, all of the people um, at the table and left some number of those 1,000 people at the uh, end of the week will have left their name and their contact information, and now you've got a valuable asset that they can invite those people back. They can have special um, special um, offers just for them. They can, you know, do all kinds of things. And then once that's installed, because really all it took was a little bit of thinking, 10 seconds of dialogue, and a little piece of paper, you know, and once that's installed, now you can look at the timeline and say, well, what if we got more people to order wine with their meal? How could we do that? And so you start thinking, well, if we went with the chef or the sommelier and we got them to make a wine pairing for each of the entrees and mention that when people order that entree, more people would probably take the wine. So if we translate that now into the financial um, relationship there, what would be one of the strategic objectives that could be met during that, um, during that experience? And the easiest one, it may be a referral to another friend or family member or coworker or somebody in their inner circle that if you took an orchestrated approach to it, could be a multiplier you know, with very little effort. Well, I think, I think there's two things. One, one is, um, just to go right to what you were saying about the restaurant experience, 
uh, every advisor should have what we call a shock and awe package. I think that's actually Dan Kennedy's language, uh, where we, we give them a consumer's guide to finding the right advice giver. It's put together in a beautiful folder. Um, that is mm-hmm. somewhat generic to our company. It's, it looks more of a, like an informational piece, but then I'll stick in there uh, one little uh, sheet that talks about, you know, if you're ready, you know, Johnson Brunetti is here to help you, and then a copy of a book, and it's a pretty thick informational book that I've written. And we give that to people when they become clients, and we say, you know, you, we know that you might have some friends of yours that maybe aren't working with the right financial advisor for them, and we don't want you to go out and sell us, but hand them this little piece. This might help them, and you can just let them know that we're the folks that you like and trust. And so it's it's that extra, you know, giving people something to give to their friends, and they can do it in a very non-threatening way. So I'm, I'm not sure if that's mm-hmm. if that fits into what you were describing, but... Um, that's yeah, one thing that we've does. done, and and our goal at our office is we want to get rid of these things. We, you know, we these things cost eight to eleven dollars a piece with all the pieces that go into them. But my goal is, mm-hmm. you know, make Lori keep ordering those every month. We want to order a new batch every month. We want our advisors giving them away every time they meet with people, even if it's somebody that we can't help that comes in for an appointment, because those folks, if we give them a good enough experience, um, they will leave here with a very good impression of what a relationship could be like with a financial advisor. And if they have those kits, mm-hmm. they might hand them out. That's right. Perfect. And, you know, have, th- that's, so that's the essence of the, of the before or the during unit. I have one other thing in the during unit, Dean, that I wanted to mention that I think really applies to financial services because in financial services, because it's such a uh, – because people's money is their security, uh, when they turn over money to a new relationship, they might feel great in the office when they're signing all the papers and so on. But certainly when they leave, I think within that first 30 to 60 days, from time to time there's doubt that creeps into their mind. We call it buyer's remorse. Um, but it's more than just buyer's remorse when you buy a, a coat or a handbag or a car because this is their livelihood, what they've worked for. And so uh, I think in Profit Activator number five, when you say deliver a dream come to service, one thing, one note that I wrote was remind them why they bought. Um, I think we need to have a follow-up meeting with them. We call it a delivery meeting where we deliver this binder to them that shows everything that we did in the in the planning stage. And right. we want to remind them enthusiastically why they bought to reassure them why they bought and really go over the, this is what you told us that you were concerned about and this is why we did what we did and how do you feel about that. And just really making sure that because if we don't do that in the financial advisory practice, that little doubt will fester in the mind of the client and then they'll be looking for right. reasons to reinforce that doubt. Yeah. You're right on track. That's exactly right. So that's a strategic objective of the during unit is to remove those doubts, to solidify their decision and to kind of, uh, you know, set the stage for a lifetime relationship, not just a, a transactional relationship. And, of course, that's the after unit is once they're a client, that lifetime value. You know, what is the value of the relationship over a lifetime? And most financial advisors right. now – 
get paid in two ways. Uh, we get paid uh, some with some strategies that we use. We get paid up front by the transaction, kind of a finder's fee up front. But most uh-huh. mature financial advisors are getting paid as a percentage of the assets under management. So that relationship, yeah, exactly. if it lasts for five or 10 or 20 years, is much more valuable than anything that we got paid in the first year. That's exactly right. So, you know, that brings it up that, you know, Profit Activator 7 is about just that nurturing a lifetime relationship with people. And, you know, you see, especially in in the financial advisor world, that sometimes these can be kind of generational um, relationships where, you know, uh, some um, older advisors may have their, their kids coming into the, um, into take over the, the business and they truly can be lifetime relationships. But more importantly, even uh, that's kind of a built in, um, you know, way that the financial world works, maybe more than, than many other businesses, because you've got that money under management and you continue to have that money under management for years. So it's, it's something that kind of um, really fits that way. But one of the mindsets that I take, and it fits so well with this financial advisor world, is to imagine your after unit. These are all the people that you already have um, under management. And imagine that relationship portfolio as a valued asset. And it's interesting to kind of turn the tables and to have the financial advisors think about their relationships as a portfolio, as an asset that they're managing for an annual yield. And so that annual yield is going to come in two forms. Number one, it's going to come in their continued relationship with you. So eliminating attrition that that you're doing uh, and continuing to perform for people so that they're not leaving. That's one way of of, um, maximizing the yield on that relationship portfolio. But the other is to orchestrate referrals. And so that's something that is one of the biggest opportunities that any financial advisor has is to really take a proactive approach to managing those relationships so that they get referrals. I often find that uh, it's very similar in real estate that the, you know, people will, if I asked 10 people to tell me the story of the last referral that they got, it may sound like one of these two stories. Somebody would say, well, um, I might say, well, Joel called me and said that he's just about to retire. He's going to be, um, you know, rolling over his, his IRA and he, or his 401k wants me to um, help manage his portfolio. And but he was, uh, he called me up and said, you know, my friend David told me that I should give you a call. That's a, a passive referral, and those happen all the time. I mean, you probably get calls like that because of the way that you treat your clients. They just show up. You know, they just call you up and say, hey, you know, you managed my, my friend's money. He said you could really uh, – he was really happy with the way you're doing things. We'd love to have a conversation with you. That's probably 70 or 80% of the referrals that that most financial professionals get. Now. The other type of referral that they might uh, get 
is what I call a reactive referral. So I may get a call. That would be a, a story that would sound like me saying, I got a call from David who said, hey, my friend, I've been talking to my friend Joel about um, you, and he's going to be retiring and needs somebody to help him manage his portfolio. You should give him a call. So that's a reactive referral because now you have to actually do something, right? It's not just, it's not you calling me up and, and presenting yourself as somebody who's ready for me to help them. It's my client calling me up and saying, you should call my friend. I've been telling him about you. That's a reactive referral. And if you look at it, that's 98% of all the referrals that people get. What I very rarely ever hear is what I call an orchestrated referral, where that is where I asked for a specific type of referral and I got it. You know, they, they told me about their, their friend or their coworker or whatever. And so when you understand that the mechanics of how referrals happen all involve a conversation, that helps you understand that we want to figure out what are the high probability conversations that my clients are going to be in, and it could be it could have to do with the time of year. It could be seasonal. It could be um, you know any number of things. It could be life event type of of conversations. But if you figure out what those high probability conversations are and you understand that in order for a referral to take place, three things have to happen. Number one, they have to notice that the conversation is about money or about IRAs or about retirement or about um, tax saving strategies or any number of, of things that would fit into that financial world they have to think about you and they have to introduce you into the conversation. All three of those things have to happen in order for a referral to take place. So if you know that and you can identify what those high probability conversations are and you can plant the seed in your client's mind to program them as to what to do when those conversations come up, you can explode the number of referrals that you get. It could be as simple as if you have a book about IRA strategies and you say you send, you're sending a, you know, we, we often in the real estate world and in other businesses send uh, a postcard monthly that is kind of future pacing and setting the stage for this, that you might say, hey, just a quick note in case you hear someone talking about their IRA, and you may give some little piece of supporting information about that. Most people think this about their IRA, or they don't know this. If you hear someone talking about their IRA, give me a call or text me, and I'll get you a copy of our new book that you can give to them. And now there's so many things that are baked in to that communication that are going to really make it easy for people to refer you because they're going to be calling you. They're not going to be having to tell their friends to call you or, or you know, you're not expecting them to um, do that and hope that they call you. 
you're giving them specific instructions to call or text or email somebody that they already know, like, and trust, which is you. They already have a relationship with you. So it's far easier to get your client to call you than it is to expect or hope that they will get their friend to call you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, your postcard idea, Dean, uh, when I went to your Breakthrough Blueprint, which was a little over a year ago, um, you came up, you had that postcard idea, and we, we've we implemented that, and it's been great. We send out, it's sort of a funny, timely, humorous little postcard uh, every month mm-hmm. that goes to all of our clients that that has that exact same message. When you hear your friends talking about the fact that their company is offering early retirement packages, you know, give us a call and let us send them our gift. And it's just a whole mm-hmm. series of, of postcards that go out every month. And I know that's generated business for us over the last year. Uh, the other thing that we've done, and, and I like your idea about the conversation, because I, I think many times as financial advisors, we're shy about having a conversation, if you can believe this. We're shy about having mm-hmm. a conversation. We'd much rather put together a pretty marketing piece. But that conversation right. that sets up the referral is so important because people want to refer. You talk about the psychology of why people refer in in your book and it's not it's yeah. not to help us, it's to make them feel better. We all want to be helpful. Exactly if I go that. to a if I go to a great restaurant or see a good band or you know have a wonderful experience with a certain airline that's so out of the ordinary from what I'm used to, I'm going to tell you about it because I feel good being the guy that discovered it. And and people want to do that. And so it's just a matter of, like you said, seeding. I can't remember how you put it, but it was sort of seeding in their mind psychologically so that when that conversation is going on, they recognize, oh, this is a conversation that's happening about money. I need to tell them about Joel. Right. That's exactly it. So that's, you know, there's the thing. It's like, you're, you're, you're kind of being a detective in a way, and you're kind of imagining you're creating a profile, a referral profile for each one of your clients. If you really go to that level and you start to think if they are, were to be in conversation, what are the highest probability conversations that they'd likely be in? And if you imagine if you could plant a chip in their ear and, and like Homeland Security kind of monitor their conversations. And as soon as you heard certain trigger words, you could come in and take over that conversation and turn that into a referral. That's what we're really looking at. And, I, you know, one thing that I wanted to say about treating this after unit as a separate business unit is to know what is your, I call it your ROR, your return on relationships? What was the return on your relationship portfolio? And those are all measurable things because you can measure the retention of the clients that you have, and you can measure the number of new clients that came as a result of a referral from people who are your current clients. And the goal is to manage that relationship portfolio for let's even just set a, a, a reasonable benchmark of a 20% annual yield. So imagine if that you could, for every 100 people that you have as clients under management, that you get 20 new clients from that group of 100. That's we would double, we would double our business. 
that would be great. We would and double that, our business in a year. And that is the most competition-proof, unique to only you opportunity that you have. And so any amount of money and any amount of strategic effort and time and thinking and planning and orchestrating that goes into that is a multiplier on, the, uh, on that return on relationship. You know, the other thing, Dean, that we did after I went to your, your Breakthrough Blueprint was we surveyed our clients and we asked them, with this in mind, this whole, this Profit Activator 8, orchestrating referrals, we asked them, would you like to introduce your friends to us? And almost, I think it was 90% of the people that returned the savers said yes. And then the next question is, well, then why aren't 90% doing it? And so we asked them, well, how would you like to do that? And overwhelmingly, they said, we would like to bring them to a seminar. We'd like to bring you know, uh, one couple yeah. that's a client brings another couple to a seminar to hear Joel speak because that's safe for the clients. They don't feel like you know, they're not shoehorning their clients or trying to sell their clients on us. They're just bringing them mm-hmm. to a nice dinner where I'll give my seminar. And then what will happen, we're doing our first one actually a, a week after we're, we're uh, writing this piece in the book, uh, and and I would expect to have probably three-quarters to 80% of the people book, and a huge amount of those new guests will become clients because their friends have walked them into our office. So we're yeah, going to do that a lot awesome more often. Strategy. That's an awesome strategy, especially if you can frame those um, those events, those workshops, as client events, that they're something that – they're, you know, you're, you're educating as if people are, are clients, that the people who are their guests are feeling like this is insider information. They're getting access to something that they shouldn't have had access to. So how can we conclude here, Dean? What's the key takeaway in, in all of this? We've had some great dialogue, and this is going to be fantastic information that, that I know will change the practices and the businesses of so many financial advisors out there. What's, what are the two or three sentences that we can use to have a takeaway here? <laughs> well, I think that there's the, the thing is to – uh, all of these profit activators, as I said, are they're universally present. They're present in every one of your advisors' businesses, whether they are acknowledging or measuring or looking at it that way. They're there. So the first thing is to kind of overlay this um, this architecture over top of your existing business and see what is my before unit. You can definitely use it as a, a diagnostic tool and say, what am I doing in, in these? How does this apply to my business? And just that idea of breaking up and realizing, well, how much money am I spending in my before unit? What does it cost me to deliver people to my during unit? And even looking in your during unit and realizing what's the lifetime value of my clients or what's the, the first year value of my clients and what would I be willing to spend to get a new client, to acquire a client? And sometimes people can, once they take a look at it, they've got, they'd be willing to spend so much more than they are spending to get those clients. And then looking at their after unit and 
overlaying this idea of looking at it as a relationship portfolio that they're currently managing for whatever their ROR is on their relationship portfolio. What is my return on relationships right now from my after unit? And so breaking it down like that and looking at where the immediate breakthroughs are is a uh, would be the the greatest action steps that they could take. And I think you're you know having um, a group like you're working with is going to be a great way to kind of keep a focus on that over a you know ongoing basis. Well, this has been great, and I think one of the keys that I'm just thinking of right now, as you as you sort of summarize things here, Dean, is you know the profit margins in the financial advisory business. If we're if we're just average successful advisors, or slightly above average, but not superstars, but above average, the profit margins are so strong that it allows us to be a little sloppy in these three areas we could make up for a lot of inefficiencies because the profit margins are so strong and that's a blessing but it's also a curse because the breakthrough comes by breaking down that before during and after unit and really saying am i leaving a lot of money on the table and it's so easy to just throw money at the before unit and i've been guilty of this that i'm not necessarily paying attention to how much is falling through the cracks in the during and the after and and sometimes right. it's just that extra 20% that'll create an extra 100% of growth. And so this has been right. fantastic. Awesome. Well, that's great. I'm excited and I'm, I'm happy that you're uh, you know, taking this on and, and spreading the spreading the word. Well, thank you, Dean.